Welcome. Yeah, welcome to Sam and Maggie Hate Glee. I'm Maggie, and that's my brother Sam over there. And we really have to get into this episode right now because we're already running a little hot. And we have a lot of feelings. (laughs) Yes. Um, Yeah. So yada, yada, yada. At this point, like the name, I feel like should give it away. But we want new listeners. We want you to feel comfortable. So sit down Mm -hmm. in this chair. Let Let me explain to you. My sister and I, we watch Glee. And now... We don't just watch Glee. Yeah. We, capital W, and also the rest of the letters capital, watch Glee. Because yeah. we're, we're going to go through this with a fine-tooth comb. We're going to see what Glee did, what it did right, what it did wrong, and we're going to call the it crimes. out. We're gonna, we're gonna <laughs> the crimes. We're going to call it out. that it committed. Because a lot of people, us included, have this as one of our like formative television shows. So Here, let me get my gavel. This is the trial of Glee. <laughs> we should definitely do that at the end. I think. Um, I think our next, um, yeah, like the, our the very end of the podcast. Yes, definitely, absolutely, we will find it guilty or not guilty <laughs> of Which, crimes. Like not to spoil other, but we're definitely going to find it guilty of yeah. pretty much every crime in the book. Like. I think we we somehow uh, have to take a picture of ourselves wearing those kind of like long curly wigs that <laughs> lawyers yes. um, in England have to wear. Um. Yeah. Listen, this episode of Glee that we watched this week it was from season two. It's episode eighteen. Uh, it's called "Born This Way," and it is an extra long episode. Yeah. If you recall, last week's episode was regionals. Yep. Um, well, no, which no. meant that Glee took a mid-season break because yes. that is Glee's thing: is taking weird breaks in the middle of the season. Uh, yes. Do you think that was pressure from Fox as a network because they wanted to show other stuff, or was it just sort of Glee's sort of haphazard postmodern approach? I don't know. I, I feel like seasons. So first of all, regionals was two episodes ago. Not to get too fuck too much on you, um, but. Uh, kidding me no (laughs) um but i think uh i feel like this is i i can't speak to this time period but nowadays i feel like this is super common where every tv Mm -hmm. show like takes the month of april off for some reason it's weird Um, which is weird because i feel like march is sweeps right so like maybe they're trying to like make like an impactful like sweeps week episode of like you know mid-season stuff but i don't know sure Anyway, it's weird. yeah, it's weird. Um, let's let's get into. And the- when Glee oh. was doing it, it was just frustrating. <laughs> it was so annoying. <laughs> the yeah. So let, let's get into the details. This originally aired on April twenty sixth, twenty eleven, um, and it had eight point six two million viewers, which is down from nine point eight million viewers from last week. Like I said, we're on a mm-hmm. slow decline here, as nobody really cared about this season after regionals. For good measure, yeah. because last week really, was a bad episode, and this one is too. Spoiler. It's it's a it's another reason why Glee did such a bad job with the way they organized their seasons, right? Yeah, because it removes momentum from exactly the season itself from the show yeah. from the storyline. Like they're like, okay, so we just had this big regionals thing. Now we're going to take a break, and nobody nobody gives a fuck. Like right. we know they're going to New York or whatever, but like it's a, it's 
so long from now at this point. And, and also, like, we we know there's no way in hell they're going to win. So No, absolutely not. I, I, ranked against all Glee clubs in the country? No, they're going to do terrible. Right. Like, what are you talking about? They're, yeah. ba- they're a bad club. So this episode was written by Brad Falchuk, one of the Aridge Tridge, uh, and directed by Alfonso Gomez Rayhan, who has directed plenty of episodes before. Yeah, I, I just wanted to point out, I looked it up because I was curious. Um, this season, he directed the Christmas episode, and he also yeah. directed Grilled Cheeses. So that should give you an idea of where we're going. Yeah. Um, okay. He, he deals with, ep- he deals with, well, the Christmas episode is kind of a... Gimme, yeah. It's a... Yeah. It's a little bit different than, uh, I mean, Grilled Cheeses is definitely more in line with this one. Yes, you know? definitely. Grilled Cheeses was the religion episode. This is the self-love episode. Yeah. But that's in fucking quotes, my <laughs> friends. Let's start with the recap. It uh, covers how they won regionals. Yes. Uh, the love story, be- love stories between everyone. Um, Holly Ho- Holly Holiday isn't mentioned at all, even though no, even though she, she left. and Will yeah. just had a breakup. Um well, we because also yeah. Wemma's back on, I guess. Right, yeah. So we get some of Quinn's obsession with prom queen, as per usual. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we get some stuff, like you're saying, Klain, Britanna, um, Kurt left the school. We get a reminder of that. And then, unacceptable, we get, we get a description of Emma's mental issues. And yeah, well, her, her mental health in general, yes. it's described with words like, crazy and stuff like that which i realize we we tend to use some of those words colloquially and like glibly yeah but it's not chill like we it's not chill to use those kind of words in reference to someone's mental health right no so it's just not yeah so yeah they call her quote super crazy and then quote like seriously crazy um yikes and the thing is like when we use the word crazy colloquially we're using it mm-hmm. to describe someone that's doing something that doesn't make sense. We're not. We're usually not talking about their actual mental health. In yeah, like, and you know, it, it's it's not great. I agree. It crosses. It it straddles a line that is just not great. But in this case, when you're legitimately talking about someone's mental health and like talking about someone's mental disorder, because that yeah. is what this is. You can't say that. You just can't. You can't. That's offensive. You really can't. Even though, like, Glee sort of tries to pick up the pieces and make an apology for itself yeah. during this episode, but it's still bad. Yes. So let's move past the recap. Yes. We're opening right into the to the heat of it. It's booty camp uh, on the auditorium stage. Will is forcing the uh, new directions through some new choreography because he knows they're going to get smoked on the choreography <laughs> side of things at and, Nationals. And also the vocal side and also pretty much everything about and them. And also like full on presentation and yes. song choice. But so they start and immediately because Finn is swinging his arms oh like a God. dingus, he hits Rachel in the face. Um <laughs> completely bashed. Rachel is on the ground. Yes. Uh, she like screams in pain. It's yeah. pretty gnarly. Uh and we flash right to the doctor's office. We don't really linger on that for too long. No. Finn t- has taken her there. Um they're yes. both at this doctor's office. 
We find out that Rachel's nose is broken. Yes. Uh, and the doctor suggests a vanity adjustment or that this is the perfect time for a vanity adjustment. Yes, because he... So, um, first of all, like, okay, we're going to get into this in just a second, but... We are. Um, he claims that she has a deviated septum. I had to look that up mm-hmm. just to see what that is. Apparently, what, what is a deviated septum? Apparently, according to Google, at least, it's where um, the inside of your nose, one of your like nostril tracts um Mm -hmm. actually overlaps over the other like kind of like pushes into the other one so it actually is a thing where um one of your nostrils just doesn't really get as much air as the other one um like because it's a little smaller than the other two sure sure so the idea here is that i mean he so the doctor he's a nose doctor by the way that's how i'm going to refer to him the nose doctor yeah um, the nose doctor uh, points out that he need, like he can fix her deviated septum in addition to doing this quote vanity adjustment. Um, yeah, yeah. So that that's what it is, and it'll help her sing more potentially because it means she'll be able to get more air while she's singing. yeah. He uh, Finn uh, is resistant to Rachel doing this. He's like, "What are you talking about?" Uh, yeah. or whatever. And the d- nose doctor points out that Rachel is sixteen; that his own daughters have had their nose jobs at like 15 or something yeah uh and rachel is uh wishy-washy about it she doesn't come out either way right well the other thing is the doctor makes it about jewish people already because he points out that it is a quote jewish right of heritage um to do this well it's it's like a jewish right of rite of passage oh sorry yeah that's what i meant i yeah we do talk about jewish heritage later right yes yeah uh and we flash right to the new directions. We're back in the choir room because Rachel has decided to make this nose thing a group discussion uh, <laughs> instead of a yeah. personal, like, you know, uh, a journey and choice. She's decided to take it to the club because this could improve her singing voice to yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, get this procedure. Right. And so um, it's great because she's standing up in front of the glee club. Uh, having this discussion with all of them, I guess. Um, and then, which she- do you think Rachel Berry would do that? Is that because this isn't like, I mean, realistic human behavior? I feel no. I think so, especially with a group of people who purport to hate her. Right. You know. So, so part of that is that I think, I think later in this episode we get a better example of what I'm thinking of, but. Um, mm-hmm. I think Rachel is just looking for people to agree with her. I think she yeah. wants some yes men in her life to totally. agree with her. And I think she thinks that Glee will do that for her for some reason. Sure. Um, but yeah, so the the thing is, she's announcing this about how she's thinking about getting a nose job. Shu and other members of the club seem visibly concerned by this. Um, which Well, really, the, the group is quite split. Yeah. Uh, there's a moment from Tina where she talks about like embracing your own looks and then uh somebody points out that she's wearing blue contacts yes mike calls her a self-hating asian yeah seems intense thing for a boyfriend to say to definitely his well, lover so god yeah to, to prompt that actually that that's the thing is santana's some concern, speech here yeah santana gives a speech and we need to talk about it because this is like the first big real problem i have with this episode Santana sure. gives a speech in defense of essentially cosmetic surgery. 
she yeah i i don't know if it's just cosmetic surgery it's sort of a speech on like body autonomy and like choosing the way you look in general right which so that's the thing i think that that is the legitimate other position to take against the idea of getting a nose or against or for uh, in getting a nose job i think what glee is doing here is they're setting up a very weak straw man to knock over because santana is representing this side that says you should if you want to change something about yourself if you don't like something about yourself you should change it like that's something you should do that's something you should have the right to do it's something you like and then totally. she then she goes she gives three examples she criticizes Rachel for her nose which is anti-semitic mm-hmm. she criticizes yep. Artie for his legs i guess which is ableist and then she criticizes yep. Tina for her eyes which is racist and yes. it's like you <laughs> and it's that one is at least lampshaded and pointed out as racist right so but there is that but the thing is they're not even giving this other side a fair chance in this episode they're you're totally right and i mean they set santana up as the straw man pretty often because she's characterized as a bitch there's one point where they make her wear a shirt that says bitch like it's (laughs) It's really bad. Which like, which is also a little bit racist, in my opinion, yeah. because she is a, a non-white woman. She's so. a strong, strong Latina woman, which means that, you know, she's She's, she's a firecracker. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so. Yeah, uh, it's fucked up. Yeah. And I, I, I feel like I should say, as a commentator on this episode, I agree with Santana's point here. Yes. I To a certain yeah. degree. I think people should be able to make themselves look however they fucking want. It's not my ch- point. Like, it's not my duty to say what somebody's body should look like. Yes. Ever. Right. You know? And so that's, I, I want to point out that I also agree with Santana. The problem, as I was saying, is that the way that they portray Santana's argument comes off as incredibly offensive to multiple groups of people so also um, to uh to cis white men because she uh (laughs) makes fun of finn's nipples right well and so the what this comes out like then what happens is shu then gives a speech and takes it as a personal offense because he desperately tries to keep anything in his life from changing ever um and embraces the fact that he's unwilling to live in the present as a strength, I guess, of his personality. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, he, here's the quote that I pulled. The thing you like least is the best part of you. Yeah. Um, Which is a kind of gnarly thing to say to anyone. Yeah. I feel, you know, like I get that he's just trying to be uplifting and trying to make them feel like accepting of themselves. Yeah. But imagine if there was like someone like a trans person there. Right. Right. No, see, that's, like, that's okay. a fucked up thing to say. Yeah. And one of the things that I, th- I just realized that I think is one of the really big issues with this episode, all of this, all of, all of Shu's message is exactly what white men think when they hear that someone's yeah. getting a nose job because he and Finn are both really big on this episode. They both, you're re- beautiful, baby. Yeah. You don't need to change that, because, because for a white man. There is nothing you need to change. Your biggest weakness is usually something that's pretty inane and like society will it's, overlook. It's that, you, like, it's that you can't dance. Exactly. Or that you have a quote butt chin. Like what the f- <laughs> like it's so awful. It's transparent and how horrible it is. But is the thing. But they don't the the problem is it not only is it transparent and how horrible it is, but they never it's not that's not the message. The message is that no, they're right. That they're right. 
the message is that Will is right, oh which is what is truly horrible. Yeah, so um, you can tell we really dislike this episode already, and this is a big part of it, but... <sighs> Let's let's move on to the let's next. Let's get to scene. another really horrible part of this episode. So Emma and Will are in Will's office polishing grapes together. Yes. That is not innuendo. Again, they are <laughs> polishing actual grapes. Uh, and Emma uh, talks about how she is self-identified as a neat freak and cleany bug. Yeah, not s- s- it's okay. So here's here's the other really. Well, not the other, but another really bad part of this episode. Will has taken it upon himself to pretend that he is a therapist for Emma. Oh, God. Um, Yeah. And he knows, uh, like, so first of all, he starts off this conversation by saying that Rachel is just insecure about the way her nose looks. That's why she's getting the nose job. Not because it could help her sing or anything. And not because she has, like, an actual diagnosed... Deviated septum, yeah. Like... Devi- deviated septum. No, that's not the reason why. Of course not. And it's also not that she got bashed in the face. Right. Um, but <laughs> What? <laughs> yeah, but so, um, uh... as you're saying, Emma tells us she doesn't like the term OCD. She thinks it's too clinical. Um, yeah. And so, that, so, first of all, Will is pretending to be a therapist for this plot line. And the other thing is that Emma is representing, like, the worst parts of, like, the American stigma of mental health, which I understand that they're doing it because they want to make this point, but it's so awful. Like, it's really bad. It also doesn't really make sense. Emma's characterization has been all fucking (laughs) over the place. Seriously. No, I know. She is a mental health professional. Yeah. So why would she shy away from a clinical term? Yeah. It's... Right? No, I agree. And so I think, again, it's kind of like how Emma was the token religious defender in yeah. Grilled Jesus, which was directed by the same director. Um, yeah. It's, she is... <laughs> Weird. She's literally just like the scapegoat for everything this season. And it's... Or not scapegoat. That's not the word I want. I want... But she is, like, the strange opposition character. Yes. In a way. Yeah. Uh, she's rep- she, re- like, represents the point of view that most of our characters disagree with. Right. Or at least the characters that are cool disagree with. Right. The same with the sex episode, right? Yes. Like, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, because she was unwilling to... Like, yeah, she's unwilling because- to talk about sex, too. Yeah. And and like definitely, I think a sex positive viewpoint is the most healthy for the majority of people. But it's not like it's negative to not want it and like right. not want to have sex be a part of your life. Yeah, like I that's think, all right. Yeah, I it's think not, I agree. That's that's the thing is it's huh. yeah. She in that episode, she could have been. She still could have been like, hey, we should teach people about sex and make sure that they're doing it safely and that they know all about it. And still which be, would, I don't want to have sex. Which is season one, Emma, right? right? Like season yeah. one, Emma would have been like, here's all my pamphlets about how to have sex safely. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah. So the next thing in this Yeah. Uh, in so this Will, scene, yeah. Will is inspired by Emma's, because Emma is like also slightly accepting of her. Yeah. Um, she takes a really. I, I, let's, let, what should we call? Because she doesn't want to use. OCD terminology. I'm, she is accepting yeah. of her like. I don't know. I compu- of her of her compulsive habits. Yes, she she has 
accepted them and says she's just born this way. Right. Right? Like, yeah. that is her. Except there's another scene where she, where she, she talks about how she's way. not. Yeah, which, exactly. Like, <laughs> what? Um, and that's uh, her using that term. Will has like a little light bulb go up above his head. Right. He's like, oh, I know exactly what I'm going to do for Glee Club this week. I'm going to use their two favorite teachers, me and Gaga. Yeah, I, I wrote down that uh, he makes a silly joke about how he's a good teacher. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so it's another Will just Gaga. believes the lies that he's constantly told. So. Yes, yeah. But um, so that's kind of the end of that scene. <sighs> Let's move on to the next scene. Santana is defacing one of Quinn's prom posters because Quinn's been putting up posters <laughs> for I people to vote for Finn. I love um, Santana so much. And then while she's doing this, she decides, you know what? I want to be prom queen. Um, yeah, because we're getting a monologue from Santana as she does this. Yeah. She's also wearing a very interesting outfit. Um, it's like a, she's wearing like a fur hat yes. and a white vest. It's it's kind of strange. Uh, so her, her reasoning for wanting to be prom queen, it's a little strained. She thinks that if she becomes queen, she can make a royal decree. <laughs> no, I do remember that Brittany, this. Yeah. That Britney must love her. That is her... Yes. intent that um like she be, becoming prom queen britney will have to love her right that is the nugget of this idea <laughs> Which, uh yeah. then she realizes that she's going to need jock support to win the vote mm-hmm. uh because quinn has already noticed this herself that's why she's got finn in the bag folks <laughs> yep um and uh, she sees dave karofsky walking down the hallway Yes. Well, so first yeah. she sees Sam, and she's like, no, Sam's oh, not yes. going to do. He's too fresh. Nobody really likes him. Also, um, are they still dating? I think they kind of... It, it's one of those, like, <laughs> nebulous teen things where it's like, <laughs> like, you made fun of my mouth a lot, so I probably am not dating you anymore, but... <laughs> um, but yeah, so Sam walks. Out, he he does a uh, um, Sean Connery impression at her as he walks down the hallway, which is yeah, what a fucking dweeb. Which, which is the reason why I think they are quote still dating, kind of. Um, but so he <laughs> he goes to get a drink of water out of the water fountain, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then she sees Dave Karofsky coming the other way, and it's like Dave Karofsky. He's good at sports, I think. Um, and then Karofsky checks out Sam's ass as he's bent over at the water fountain. Totally obviously, too. <laughs> yes. Like, he stares for... It is in slow-mo at this point, we right. should say. But he does stare for a while. Yes. Um, and Santana has a realization. She describes her. She describes herself as a closet lesbian slash judgmental bitch, which means that her, her gaydar is impressive. And right. I would agree. Um... Yes. Cuz she I mean she's spotted Karofsky for what he is. Well, I mean, to be fair, she did have some context clues about the fact that last week mm-hmm. he was bullying or kind like he was that bullying Kurt. He was harass he was harassing yeah. Klein and being like, "Did you tell anyone?" Right. And <laughs> Santana definitely did hear that. Yes. But yeah, so um but so she sees that and she's like, "Bingo. I have my way in." And then, yeah, she's got Gaydar plus plus, folks. <laughs> it's been upgraded all the way. So then we go to our favorite coffee shop, the only coffee shop in Lima, the Lima Bean. Um, We're still getting a little bit of Santana monologue here as well. Yes, uh, the whole the whole gang is at the Lima Bean. It's Clay, Mercedes, Tina, 
and Santana. I think Santana is there because she formed a friendship with Blaine and Kurt yeah. by protecting them from Dave. Well, and, I guess. and also at another table, because we see this as we like zoom over their table. Um, Barty is at another table, and Santana is literally just staring at them for most of this scene. <laughs> of, co- of course she is. She's not staring at them. She's staring at Brittany. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, I think also in a later scene, Lauren is actually in the back of this like during this scene what but it's so weird why are they all they're moving in a pack they go to the mall together later this episode (laughs) yep but anyway so yeah so this it's nice because santiana is obviously not participating in this discussion yeah because she is oh yeah go for it she is like sitting at the edge of the table and just not saying anything Well, she has her head in her hand, too, and is, like, obviously looking at nobody else at the table. But um, yes. Mercedes and Tina are rubbing in their victory um, to Klain by being like, uh, why don't you guys ask us about how we're going to nationals? Because, you know, we are because we beat you. Uh, <laughs> and Kurt, and they're like, are you sore about it? And Kurt's just like, yes. Yeah, like, yeah, I wish we were going to nationals. Why would you say that? Um, but yeah, so... Uh, and they talk about Kurt coming back to McKinley yes. and the possibility of that happening. Uh, and yeah. Blaine is like, well, you know, we've talked about it, but I wouldn't let Kurt go because of Kurofsky. He has to be safe. Right. Um, that was my butch voice. Did you like it? I did. Um, Thank you. Santana hears that specific line and hones in on this conversation yes. and says, wait, so if... Like, you know, if it was safe, then we could get, then Kurt could come back. And then Blaine's like, yeah, but like, I don't see how that's going to happen. And then Santana <laughs> immediately monologues in her head, zoning yes. out once again from this conversation <laughs> um, to realize that she can use Karofsky to both get prom queen and Kurt to come back. And by getting Kurt to come back, it will help her get prom queen. And then we get one of the best lines of the show. Uh, this is said uh, aloud. Santana says this aloud as she leaves she stands up and says this is they she like interrupts a conversation yeah she stands up and says i got a gay go (laughs) (laughs) and then just leaves which is so good one of the best parts too is that blaine like smiles at that like like not in like 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 in like a joking kind of smile yeah it's so good um but yeah well blaine knows because he's um you know a multi-dimensional being he Yes, he, he can. He's got better gaydar. He he can also hear the monologue in Santana's head <laughs> along with us. Yeah, um, but no, uh, it's interesting that they decided to do this right. Like, there's no impetus for this Kurt coming back to McKinley storyline to no. happen right now. There's no reason. The only reason is that like, and that honest- they're going to nationals. Yeah, and that Kurt is a staple of the show, so they can't just have him not on the show anymore. Right, and part of it too. It, it's funny because like. It could come off. They could have done it in a really, like, skeevy way where it seems like Kurt is like, oh, I just so desperately want to go to Nationals that, like, I'll do anything to come back to McKinley. But they didn't do it that way. They just do it as, like, everyone else is like, Kurt should come back. And Kurt's like, I guess. (laughs) And they give a lot of good reasons for why Kurt should come back, too. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's hiding the fact that they just can't kick Chris Colfer off the show for half of a season. Yeah. Uh, You know, that... it. Dalton's expensive and <laughs> yep that it's closer to his house and that all of his friends go to McKinley all of these things are true but you know they weren't a problem last week right uh 
so well, let's get to the next scene. Yes. We're back in the choir room. Will has ri- written acceptance on the whiteboard. Right. And Emma is there as well. Uh, Will wants to encourage everyone to embrace the parts of themselves that they like the least. Right. Which we, we have already talked about how this is uh, egocentric white male bullshit. Totally. Um, but so Emma is there because... She is going to help them all by they're, they're going to do a big Gaga number, which everyone's excited about this time. Which is a weird shift from last yeah. season where they all hated Gaga. I guess Gaga. maybe maybe because Gaga is even more in the cultural zeitgeist at this point. Like yeah. she is even more of a staple. Like even even masked dudes can like Gaga now. I guess I don't know. <sighs> Whatever. Um, yeah, and so. <laughs> Emma is going to help them by making t-shirts that have words Mm -hmm. on them to showcase their flaws. Um, And then as an example, she reveals that her shirt currently says ginger, um, which is... Will seems a little put off by the fact that her shirt says that. Yeah, she she cites the like South Park shit that was going on around this time because the yeah yeah yeah. But um, everyone, included like Will and some of the students are like, what like which I. I, I want to point that, okay, listen, this is tied into a later episode, like, I think probably about a season from now, but we meet Emma's parents at one point, and they are ginger supremacists. Okay. I'm not kidding. Great. That is how they are characterized. So, this, <sighs> that paints this scene in a, in a new color, doesn't it? Well, and the, the other thing, too, <sighs> that I really Fuck. dislike about this is it, it's, obviously, it's merging the two plot lines that are both terrible, but, like... What right does Will have to be like, that's not your biggest flaw. I know what your yeah. biggest flaw is. Let me tell you what your... I mean, that that comes up a little bit later. So we will yeah. get into that. Yeah. It, we're going to dig in with two big spoons. Just take big hunks that give us brain freeze. In the meantime... The next scene yeah. is Pisces. Uh, Puck and Lauren are in the hallway looking at this strange display that McKinley has of... <laughs> Plastic crowns. Yes. Uh, and a sash that says Prom Queen 2011. Uh, so I titled the scene Pisces Look at the Royal Jewels. Well, and yeah. Puck promises Lauren that he's going to win these crowns for them. Yes. Well, so for the first thing I want to point out, the sound design has recently been doing this thing where they have been using this, what I call evil Quinn piano music. Um, evil Quinn piano music. Okay. Because that's what the composition is titled. I'm sure. Because I think, I think it's actually supposed to be like prom queen piano music, but like Quinn is the one who's usually associated with that. But so it's this like piano melody that is Mm -hmm. just like a little haunting, which I very much enjoy. I think it's a very good piece. But so that plays at the beginning of the scene while Zeisses is staring at this crown. Um, and she tells us about how she used to win toddler pageants. Uh, well, she tells Puck. Well, yeah, like, sorry. I, she's she's telling Puck about how she used to win crowns in toddler pageants. We do get a cutaway of like a young Lauren doing pull-ups yes. at a pageant. Uh, and then she talks about how like she... Uh, lost her metabolism or something and yeah yeah but so then she could she she didn't win crowns anymore yeah so so puck promises the crown let's move on we're gonna move to the doc nose doctor's office we're in the waiting room Yes, we're at the nose doctor quinn and rachel are both there yes um and they end up talking about hot privilege Yep. Uh, yep. Quinn, well, it's also white privilege. Well, that, that, that was my thing. Is I wrote in my notes, Quinn explains being a hot, young, and then in parentheses, white, white. woman is a breeze. <laughs> um, 
Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, so Rachel Rachel has decided that she wants to see what Quinn's nose would look like on her face. Um, and so... Which she tells to the nose doctor when the nose doctor comes in. Right. But she, she asks Quinn, like, point blank, like, what's it like to be pretty? And <laughs> Quinn, Quinn gives us this response where she's like, well, you know, like, I'm 17. I'm beautiful. Like everything is just pretty easy for me. And I was like, that's not be- just because you're 17 and beautiful. It's definitely because you're a <laughs> rich, white 17-year-old. Like, Yes. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, the most time that Quinn ever felt, um, like, bad about herself or anything was when she was pregnant. Yes. Yeah, so, well, Maggie, so... you'll remember... Quinn. Oh, yes. The time that she felt (laughs) unprivileged for the first time in her life, I remember. Because she sang about it and cried about it for an entire season. Yeah, well, because she compared (sighs) being pregnant to being black. To being black. Oh, God. Uh, So, one part of this that... One part of this storyline that I feel is a little shallow of me, maybe, and sort of the show, is that they're trying to convince us that Leah Michelle. And Rachel, like Leah Michelle as Rachel, is not pretty. Right. They they've been trying to do this for a while, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, because Rachel talks down about herself all the time, which does kind of read as Rachel just fishing for compliments. Um, <laughs> yep. Uh, but it also, like, are we supposed to suspend our disbelief and think that Leah Michelle is ugly? No, we... Maggie, you don't understand. What? The the target audience for Glee is anti-Semitic. So they see Rachel's oh. Jew nose and they think, oh, God, she's so hideous. But the rest of us who see her are like, she's beautiful because you know what? Like, she, some I mean, us, she some is have big Leah noses, Michelle. You know? She's Leah Michelle, so she is undeniably beautiful. She's also on like a Fox television show. Right. So, of course, she's pretty. Like, they're not going to put someone who's not yeah. on TV. Exactly. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Ugh, this is just Glee lying some more, and I really cannot, I can't, well, I can't. Yeah, and so what ends up happening is there's a there's a montage where we see them taking pictures of Quinn's face, um, drawing around Rachel's nose, and... Yeah. Uh, on top of it, yeah. uh, we get a song. Uh, Quinn and Rachel sing together. They sing a mashup of Unpretty by TLC and I Feel Pretty from West Side Story. Yeah. It's really good. I really like this mashup. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. Um, one of the notes I had is that there are a lot of close-ups. Um, there are. In this uh, song. We, we, we get to see um, both of their very fake eyelashes. <laughs> well, and so another part of it, we get, a, we get a little bit where Rachel is in her bedroom, and she's looking mm-hmm. at her vanity mirror, and it's covered in pictures of noses. Like... This is another thing, too, is that Rachel, we know Rachel is confident about a lot of things about her life. Right. Right? Yeah. And I guess she's been starting to feel less confident about her appearance since Finn, quote unquote, chose Quinn. Right. Over her. Yeah. Which is not what happened, but that it seems to be the conflict conflagration of ideas in Rachel's mind because we've seen the one speech that she the one conversation she and Finn had where she was like wow it made me feel so good when you chose me over Quinn yeah because Quinn is beautiful oh man no yeah so I mean I just can't believe that like super confident Rachel would have a a lot of these feelings which whatever I whatever 
Yeah, it's. I'm over it. We it, need to move forward. Well, the only other note I had is there's a little bit where they're like sitting in a classroom and it like zooms around them and like we can see a ton of the other students and they all look well into their mid 20s, maybe 30s. <laughs> like they don't look young at all. No. Put in some effort, Glee. Anyway, yeah. they sing. They're not going to. They, they sing this for the Glee Club. Um, and Shu is like, this is exactly what I was talking about. <laughs> Except it's not. Because really, I feel this song is the one that kind of supports the idea of if you don't feel pretty. Then, then make yourself feel pretty yeah. by doing what you want to to your body. Exactly. You um, know, I, I, and the, the other thing about this plot line is that most of the women, uh, end up talking about like cosmetic things about themselves right yeah it's, right which again <laughs> it's just removing body autonomy yeah from these teenage girls right it's fucked up so let's move forward zyces is gonna try for prom queen she is right full forward onto it she has posters that she's hung that just say zyces for prom queen on them and a uh, prep girl gang is supporting her well yeah so i called these girls the triplets um because sure, they, they all, all dress the same they, they they wear the exact same outfits um <laughs> which is that's why i called them a girl gang you know <laughs> a bold move well i would agree but they wear a different outfit later in the episode so but it's a different but but they are all dressed the same then too yeah so it's it's camaraderie. Sure. Um, we don't know who these characters are, and I doubt we ever see them again. We might see them <laughs> once or twice more this season, but that's it. Right. Uh, they're in support of Lauren. They're also they're also like heavier set folks, yep. like heavier than most of the people on Glee. Which, yeah, I because mean, Glee doesn't have a very diverse hard. cast yeah. uh, in that regard, body shape wise, and uh, they look at. Lauren's poster and they're like it's nice to see someone like me for a change I'm gonna vote for Lauren (laughs) well and so then Quinn overhears this and then stomps over to Lauren um very angry scary rant well we we get the we get the piano music under this because like I said (laughs) evil Quinn piano music um Mm -hmm. she calls her a joke compares her to Carrie and then just generally like vocally abuses lauren in this scene um as Isis doesn't put up with it though no she's like um fuck you and i'm gonna do whatever i want yeah. the next scene is back in the lima bean or at some sort of coffee establishment yeah santana and quote-unquote duke stud yeah whoever the fuck are getting that coffee. Is. what the fuck was that <laughs> so it's dave karofsky um yep. but he calls himself duke stud right uh, in like the first sentence of the conversation they have. So that's what I titled the scene. Me too. Um, and this is where Santana tells him that she's figured him out. She knows that he's gay and in the closet. Yep. Um, and Karofsky is initially like pretty aggressive. Like he's like, oh, who told you? I'm going to go beat up Klain. Right. Uh, and well, and then he... uh, Santana's like, no, bitch, I figured it out for myself. Well, and also he denies it. Um, yes. And Santana says, well, I saw you checking out Sam's ass yesterday. And he says, I just wanted to see what kind of jeans he was wearing. To which Santana replies, and how is that any less gay? <laughs> yeah. Um, she also, and she ends up sort of making a, a pact with yeah. Karofsky 
yeah, however stumbles into one because she reveals to him that she is also gay. Yes. Not in any certain terms. Like she's just like, we also, I'm also on your team. Yes. Wink, and whatever. then she says something and, about jicama. Yeah. Yeah. And getting a flat top. She proposes a an idea to Karofsky about being each other's beards because she wants to be prom queen. Yes. And she wants Kurt to come back to school. Yes. Uh, um, she also says that they they can be... Uh, she explains beard beards to us and says... What a beard is. That um, yeah. a gay Thanks. man and woman uh, date each other to hide the fact they're both gay, quote, like the Roosevelt's. I like that line. I thought I that feel, was funny. I feel which, like... Which Roosevelt's? Uh, FDR? I, I believe or FDR. Teddy? I don't think... I don't think it was Teddy. I don't think... I mean, Teddy was really butch. Did he was Teddy really ever get manly, married? which... Ah, uh, yes, he did, I think. Okay. But, I think there was a, 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 a Roosevelt for him, too. Yeah. Well, so the the thing that I really like... I mean, it's stupid. I hate when Glee does this, like... We've talked about it ad nauseum yeah. because it comes up literally every episode because they're stupid. Um, but one of the things I do like is that Santana's random references usually tend towards U.S. history um and like yeah. presidential I mean, history is extremely well read <laughs> exactly um so anyway uh yeah the the other thing is she does Car- call yeah Karofsky yeah. is like why would i agree to do this with you and santana says well i'll i'll threat i'm threatening to out you i'll yes. tell everyone that you're gay and she essentially blackmails then, him into doing this with her yeah and then she says the other great line from the episode the only straight i am is straight up bitch <laughs> yes. The next scene um, is sort of a strange artistic choice. <laughs> it's from so bad. Alfonso Gomez Rayhan. It is from the inside of of the Bay of Lockers. Yes. So we see our characters um, like s- small rectangles of the screen where we see our characters. Right. Um, it's Fwin, uh having a conversation i didn't even write what it was about because i wrote cool but unnecessary <laughs> in regards to the see, um like shot choice yeah see i disagree i think that this is a really terrible shot um sure mostly because we see other random students getting into their lockers which is distracting yeah. and off-putting and also these tiny windows of screen are just bad Off screen like they're just too small you yeah. can't see pe- people well enough well, well i mean the reason why they're doing it is because they don't have a lot of places where these characters interact. Right. Right. Let's, let's go through them. Cause I can list them on one hand. Are you ready? Sure. Hall at McKinley. Yep. Choir room. Sure. Figgins office. Yep. Lima bean. Yep. Will's apartment. That's all of them. Yeah. That's, I mean, I guess there are other offices that they hang out at. But... Sometimes, sometimes they go to the locker room. Um, oh, sometimes they go to the library, but yeah. I mean, it's all McKinley, yeah. no matter how you paint it. Yeah, but so I'll, I'll talk about the conversation then. Finn is chastising Quinn for helping Rachel with her nose job. Um, oh, yes, yes, yes. Because, because he's a douchebag. Finn bag. likes this week. Yes. Finn, Finn likes this this lesson. Yeah. Uh, Quinn, Quinn yeah. denounces the lesson. Quinn says, I don't, maybe some of us don't think this is a good lesson. And then Finn, after he closes his locker, says, I love this lesson. Because he's white, and his bad thing is that he can't dance. Let's move to that. He and Mike <laughs> perform I Gotta Be Me. Um, Mike dances, and Finn does some choreography that is, you know, bordering bad. on the territory Still. of fun. Because what he's doing is trying to copy Mike. 
Yeah, it's um, like it's like a play on how bad Finn is at dancing yeah. because Mike will do like a really cool move and then Finn will try to copy it and fail. Um yeah. Yeah, I here's what I have to say about the song. I think the vocals actually sound pretty good yeah. because Finn isn't just doing like raspy rocker voice, which yeah. is his go-to. go-to. Yeah. Uh I Mike dances really well, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh and the song is fine yeah uh, yeah <laughs> I, I put down it's not bad but it's not good really either like it's it's yeah. fine it's mike's dancing is great of course because yep. it always is finn like i said it's bordering on some like fun territory where his dancing or his pretending to try to dance is... i think he should have like handed up and danced worse yeah <laughs> that would have been pretty good um but so after they finish, Shu praises Finn for existing because that's what he does. And, yeah, um, and lets Rachel take the floor. Yes. Rachel uh, presents more stuff about the nose job. Yes. She presents a picture of uh, herself with Quinn's nose and everyone thinks it's still a bad idea. Yes. They're just like, no, this is bad. You don't even look like yourself. Yeah. It gets whatever it, it territories again on that like weird. This time it's different because this time they're all pro Jewish nose as opposed to anti Jewish nose. Yeah, Rachel calls the nose Fabric like... instead of Hebraic, which is weird. And Tina, let's talk about this for a second. Tina tells Rachel they all hate her idea where she's going to get this nose job because Tina has denounced all cosmetic changes, period, ever. She's decided to shave her head and become Gandhi. (laughs) Well, no, she's she's decided to become an Asian sex symbol because there aren't any for her to model herself after. Which is also not true, I feel like. Lucy Liu is pretty sexy. Yeah. uh, Anne Curry? I don't know. <laughs> but uh, uh, uh but no. Okay, and the, then Puck yeah. is like, okay. Puck talks more about uh, uh he talks about girls in his uh synagogue, like how yes. they come back after their uh 15 or 15th or 16th birthday looking like completely different people, how he thinks they look less hot. Yeah. I mean, we shouldn't be talking about the uh aesthetic value of any girls based on puck's evaluation i think no because he is a misogynist yeah let's go to the next well part just before well, we no, get there, there is there is one more finn bit huh yeah well so uh, yeah oof. no one supports rachel's decision that they tell her up to her face we don't support you in this <laughs> we which, don't support you or this <laughs> which rachel is rachel says i guess i'll just have to do this on my own like i always do um she yeah, scoffs at uh, her for this, and then Finn says... And then Finn... Yeah. It's like pleading. He's like, you're beautiful. Don't change. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the best part is that we get a real close-up on Finn's face, like, a yeah. hundred times we this episode a, anyway. We get a lot of times. I noticed that, like, Cory Monteith has freckles. <laughs> we got a lot of close-ups of his face. Oh, I, I, I put a note about that later in this episode, but yeah, um... But so uh, he calls her beautiful, mm-hmm. and it's pointedly with the with the cinematography. It's pointedly in front of Quinn. Um, yeah, yeah. It's because it, like Quinn looks at him and it's like, oh, how dare you? <laughs> we talked about how you interacting with Rachel at all is, makes me really uncomfortable, and you're doing this in front of everyone. Well, to be Whatever. fair, there's also the fact that Rachel was 
planning on getting Quinn's nose, and yeah. Finn is saying, no, don't do that. Well, I, I'm i still behind the idea that Rachel is a pansexual robot. Sure. Who... Um, it still has uh, heteronormativity, like the chip in right. her brain, um, and has like viewed her attraction to Quinn as just wanting to be her, right. not wanting to be with her. Right. You know? Yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, but yeah. So let's move to the next scene, which is awful. That's it's Wemma, uh, and they are discussing the ginger shirt. Yes. Uh, Emma is a rational educator and is like, I didn't want to put. Um, something that's really personal on that shirt because I want to keep my life separate from those of my students. Right. And Will doesn't Will, understand this. Yeah. Uh, Will, he sort of take, puts on his um, shitty, cap? not therapist hat. <laughs> yep. And says, you have a severe anxiety disorder, Emma. Yeah. How much Googling like, do you think it took him to get that? I don't know. And here's the thing is like, we don't know if Emma's ever been diagnosed with right. anything. So, and Will certainly doesn't, so he should not be saying anything like this. No. Um, it's, he, yeah. he could say, I, I feel like there are ways that you can phrase to someone that you're worried about them, yeah. but telling them what their life is is not that. No. Um, this is also the one, I think, where Emma says she wasn't born this way. Um, she yeah, she the... goes back on what she initially said. Right. Which And... and uh, Shu makes her go through it in the teacher's lounge, of course, and say, well, you know, I was a colicky baby and I did get kicked out of a class in a, a preschool classroom because I freaked out when we used manila paper. And Will says, well, see, like you are, you do have mental problems. And uh, Emma he tortures her by eating unwashed fruit. Well, okay. Not only does he eat unwashed fruit, he offers it to her. And then, like, shoves it in her face and then leaves it on her open book, which is a crime. Which is a crime. Yes. Um, I mean, this entire episode is about removing the body autonomy from women. Right. So why not do it to Emma, too? Yeah. The the only other note I wanted to point out is that Emma herself also conflates OCD in this episode with, or in this scene, with, quote, batty and, quote, loony. Because Which doesn't make sense because she's a mental health professional. Well, so why are they doing this? Why is yeah. this part of her character? See, that's the thing. I, if if you showed me this, I would tell you that Emma's not a mental health professional because she's just not. She doesn't act like one. She doesn't. But she's supposed. But she's supposed to be one, which means that Glee is writing her poorly. Right. The next scene is Karofsky, introed by Figgins in the choir room, apologizing to the New Directions for the bullying he's done. Yes. Uh, he apologizes to them en masse and then to Kurt specifically, even though he's not there. Yep. Uh, he's clearly under Santana's coaching because we yes. get a shot of Santana mouthing the words <laughs> like like she's Emma Watson in the first move in like the first Harry Potter movies. Yes. Mouthing everyone's lines. Yes. Um I I I was I'm glad you pointed uh, you saw that too because I thought it was one of the best parts is that Santana definitely wrote these lines for him. Um, also, she's wearing an amazing suit. Um, it's like this yeah. white, like powerful suit that I just very she much. She wears enjoy. a lot of white this episode. Do you think that's like some? Is, is there a metaphor there? I don't know. Is it ham fisted? If it is, yes. Yes, uh, Karofsky <laughs> explains how uh, she 
he and uh, Santana are going to be uh, stopping bullying at school entirely by becoming the Bully Whips. It's a new club, uh, sort of like the um, who are the who who are the people that wore the red berets? Uh, who, the what is this an allegory to in like RL? I d- I'm not quite sure. I did write down that they wear quote the gayest berets, but um, <laughs> they are red. Red berets. Uh, They've been deputized by Figgins to stop bullying at McKinley, and we get a cut to Santana and Karofsky wearing, like, red bomber jackets. They're, like, red satin bomber jackets with red satin berets to match, stopping Azimio from bullying someone. Yes. Um, The other thing I wanted to point out... I think it's Homeless Brett. I think he's bullying homeless Brett. Yeah, he's trying to take his pants or something. Um, but the other thing I want to point out about this scene, uh, Quinn's outfit is also really, really great in this scene. She has like this little hat, and it's so good. Well, like when the unholy trinity isn't in Cheerios uniforms, when they're in street clothes, they are the best dressed out of the entire Glee club. True, very true. Um, well, I mean, Tina's up there too because Tina's also a really good dresser. Yeah, but yeah, so they're they're starting this anti-bullying club. They are. We're gonna have to talk about this right now because we're in Figgins's office <laughs> right now. So Bert and Kurt, the Karofskis, uh, Dave and his dad, yep. and Wiggins are all there. Yep. Uh, this is similar to uh, when they were addressing the. Death threats yes. that Karofsky made to Kurt, which are mentioned in this uh, talk as well. So they're discussing the lower, the like lower bullying numbers. How Kurt wants to return to McKinley. Yep. And Bert's like, well, the only reason why bullying is down is because the person who was doing the bullying has stopped, which is <laughs> true, and also leads him to this amazing line: "If I took all of the water out of the ocean, it wouldn't be wet anymore." Um. <laughs> Bert says some hard truths yes. uh, in this talk. Uh, he is like basically being like, "Your kid threatened to kill my son, yep. uh, so I'm not. I'm never going to feel comfortable with them going to the same school." Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave's dad. Uh, well, first Dave is like, "Oh well, I never meant it. Like I never. It was like as a. Um, it was like hyperbole. I would right. never kill Kurt. And it's like, well, bitch, you shouldn't have said you were going to kill someone. Right. Idiot. No, it, it, and also it wasn't hyperbole. Like we can tell, like he was yeah, we very knew. violent towards Kurt already anyway. Um, and yeah. Dave's dad uh, takes a sort of roundabout approach yeah. um, to defending his son by being like, well, you, you know, Bert, you grew up around the same time I did. You remember how unaccepting we were of quote um, the gaze, the gaze yeah. which ugh, yeah. yuck uh and he's like why why can't you let my son have a couple months to understand that and it's like well what are you talking about like you he your son threatened to kill someone right. why have you turned around yeah i mean part of this is that this makes it pretty clear that we now know why Karofsky is so terrified of being outed um, his yeah. dad is obviously a homophobe and obviously is definitely one of the people who would agree with the quote locker room talk type yeah. of mentality, which is totally really offensive and disgusting. Um, so anyway, yeah, so he, it's not great, but Bert does tell us, first of all, he, like you're saying, reminds us of the death threat. We see that Shu is in fact there. Um, and then 
Bert tells us that this is a big drain on his family that Kurt has to go to this private school because it's expensive. Uh, all of Kurt's friends are at McKinley. He hasn't made a single friend at Dalton besides his boyfriend Blaine <laughs> because none of them are real people. And yeah, they don't exist. Yeah. So yeah, it's so Kurt then says, "Hey, give me a second. I want to talk to Krosky. All well, of you can stand." Uh, oh, go yeah. For it first Bert is like Kurt do you feel comfortable coming back here and Kurt says yes and Bert's like well that's only because all your friends are here and you want to be here and go to nationals right and Kurt's just like yes well um, that is true yes that is the reason I want to come back he asks for a moment alone with Dave yep uh, and then they are granted that and they have some real talk because you know Kurt knows what's going on yes uh, and Dave's like I don't I mean I'm just I'm a changed person. Santana has changed me with her love. And he, he's also like, I don't know that I'm gay. And you haven't told anyone, right? And yeah. Kurt's just like, no. Well, Kurt has a nice thing where he's like, I don't believe in outing people. Um, which is, oh, yeah. Thank God. Yes. Um, but we do get uh, uh, Karofsky sells out Santana and says, well, she's doing it because she wants to be prom queen. And she knows that you coming back will definitely get people to vote for her. To which Kurt calls her quote lady Macbethian, and then also yes. calls her quote latina eve uh harrington which yeah <laughs> the the Macbeth the Macbeth reference people it's, should get the yeah, eve harrington the one re- mm. i mean he's also well read all the glee club <laughs> members are except for anything about sex i guess right uh he then tells dave that if he comes back they're gonna start a chapter of p flag which yes. is parents and friends of gays and lesbians yep uh, um there dave because because dave needs to be educated which is true yes i think i think a lot of people at this school need to be educated um dave does respond to this by saying just kill me now which spoilers is a real dark thing for it's them to dark say thing to say yeah, yeah. that's Pretty just dark yeah the cap on the on this scene that is a little bit of a sweetener for me is Bert talking to Finn. They're like from the outside looking in at this conversation. And he says, keep an eye on your brother. And Finn just sort of nods, which well, I, I feel like is really, I really like that part. That was, that's sweet. I'm glad you like that. I wrote down that it was only to ensure that Finn is in the episode or is in the scene because he has to be listen, in every scene of this episode. Listen, I, I hate Finn too. Right. <laughs> but just because I hate Finn doesn't mean I can't, Love the fact that they're brothers. That's fair, I, I guess. Just, I just want them to be brothers. I just... I, I, This is when I caught the fact that Finn is yeah. literally in every scene of this episode. He is. He's all over the place, and, but he doesn't really have that much dialogue. He's no. just sort of there. The camera just zooms in on him in every scene for some reason, and I don't understand. And he understand. wears a gray hoodie all week. Yes. Did you notice that? <laughs> Well, uh, the only outfit I can think of is the one he danced in with Which Mike. is also a gray hoodie. No, he wore so. the plaid, like the plaid button down that was oh, open. Oh, yes. Yeah. The green, the green button down. Yes. Yeah. Um, but so let's move to the next scene. Rachel has it's some. It's Puckleberry. Rachel has some gnarly black eyes. Um, yeah. Puck comes to talk to her in the girl's bathroom. Uh, he announces that <laughs> he made sure that no one was going when he came in by using the peephole he drilled last year, which is lampshaded. Um, and then he makes a strange reference to Carl Marlden's nose, which is just a yeah. big nose that nobody has ever heard of, um, and tells Rachel that she's Jewish and she should remember that her nose is her birthright. 
Yeah, it's her hair. It's like her Jewish heritage that yeah. she's going to erase off of her face, which I feel like is a an argument to take. Yes, uh, an argument that does have some weight to it, but I don't know how much weight we're allowed to give it. I think if we extrapolate it outside of say Jewish heritage and say, like your features are indelibly related to you know your parents, your heritage, and your heritage, sure. Um, there, I, I think that's a. F- I, I actually think that's a fine argument to make against, you know, cosmetic surgery. But, but at the also, same time, I don't think like, you should tell people. Rachel, yeah. yeah, like Rachel changing her nose doesn't make her less Jewish, right? Like, yeah, it, that's just not a thing. That's not a fact. Yeah. Um, and I mean, Puck talking about everyone talking about Rachel's appearance. Rachel has invited it herself too, which right. has it's lampshading glee into letting people talk about her appearance in this way um no it's it's fucked up yeah and the another thing the pacing of this episode is stupid yeah because this scene could have been moved it like four scenes from now into right in front of the barbervention right which it's not because we need literally uh, okay we have to talk about this too i have over (laughs) five pages of notes for this episode because so much shit happens and it's all bad it's all really and it's, bad. The scenes are all so short, and they could have just grouped them yes. better. They could have grouped them so much better. And it is an extra long episode. It's 57 minutes runtime. Ah. It was, Sam, listen to this. It was a full-on 90 minutes Jesus with commercials. Christ. <laughs> so we, we're getting, we're somehow, uh, this is a little bit merciful that, we, <laughs> that oh, it's only God. 57 minutes. Um, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, what a honker, right? <laughs> Just like Rachel's nose. Sing! Um, <laughs> no, but so... Um, so the next scene yeah. is joyous. Um, Kurt is back at McKinley. Yes. We're outside on the steps where they performed um, at the beginning of this season, the New York number. Mm-hmm. That's. I feel like that's the most iconic thing they've done there. Yeah. Have they done anything, um, anything else? That's where they busked for money when Puck and yes. Marty were friends. You are right. Um, <laughs> Kurt has arrived on the scene uh, at noon on the dot because Mercedes p- points out the time at yes. the beginning of the scene. Uh, Kurt is wearing a white jacket that has some stuff on it. I don't know, like rings and fringe and stuff. And a black top hat. Yes. And he presents himself like, I'm back at McKinley. And everyone's like, yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, so so everyone from Glee is there. They're all really excited. And then the Warblers arrive. Well, Blaney and they the do. Pips arrive. Um, the Warblers in mass arrive yes. uh, because they're here to say goodbye in song. Yes. They, well, Blaine has a little bit of a speech. Uh, and then they sing Somewhere Only We Know. Yes. Or rather, he sings it yeah. um, and then has his... Backup um, minions, yeah, or are they're not? They're not real. So you know he's got taped backup or whatever, right? Uh, it's a fine song. I think it's sweet. Um, yeah, um, in the context of like the fiction and in our meta fiction, it's you know it's what it is. It's still Blaine being evil. Yeah, um, is the place only they know Dalton? Do you think? Yeah. Uh, because the only <laughs> two real people who have been there are yes. Kurt and Blaine, except Will has been there also. Right. That was that was a weird anomaly. Um, but so uh, <laughs> we get confirmation that Clayne still exists. They're still dating. Um, because to quote Kurt, 
I'm never saying goodbye to you. I also wrote that's that down. He, that's um, what he says to Blaine. Well, that, I mean, it is a sweet line. Um, but also yeah. just so foreboding when we recognize that Blaine is an evil <laughs> entity. Um, and but, that he will be in Kurt's life forever. Yes. There's a load of weepiness and big mouths. Can we talk about hair? Sure. Um, in this scene? Yeah. <laughs> so Kurt's hair looks really good. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll say that up top. It's like kind of got like a, a different sort of swoop than it normally does. Sure. Two swoops instead of just the one. And Blaine's hair looks weird. Maybe it's because <laughs> they filmed outside. <laughs> and um, Blaine's classic style is like super slick down, like complete gel helmet. Yeah. Uh, which is not Darren Chris's hairstyle. No. Uh, it is. Very poofy, curly hair. I, I think it. Uh, I think it's because it was outside. Honestly, like <laughs> yeah. we haven't seen Blaine's, the. There's like a slight curl that the... like like three or four curls that are ex- escaping from the gel. Have the Warblers ever performed outside? Um, I don't think no, so. No, they haven't. They no. they had to plaster his hair down to ensure that it wouldn't <laughs> like get swooped up by the wind. Um. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, it's it's fine. Blaine's hair looks weird. That's why I brought it up. Is that <laughs> Blaine's hair looks weird? Darren Chris looks really sweaty, yes. really sweaty during this song. Well, he's he's very weepy. It seems, and, yeah, um, emotional as and, fuck. And his eyebrows op- are full on tilted. He, he opens he... his mouth so wide. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> takes up like half of his head (laughs) it's weird that they talk so much about sam's enormous mouth but they never talk about blaine's well i think part of it is that much like uh rachel um i think blaine has a mouth that is only very large when he is singing singing yeah yeah well it's that's i feel like that's another reason why they get sort of a sibling vibe right between yeah they uh, look very similar they look (laughs) Yeah, they are the same. Oh, let's keep, let's move forward. We are maybe halfway through this episode. <laughs> yeah. So the uh, next scene, it's fine. It's a quick one. Kurt sings as if we never said goodbye. Which hooray! He gets to sing show tuny shit again. Um, yeah, it's from uh, Sunset Boulevard. I don't know. It's a Barbara Streisand song. Um, there's a montage of Kurt walking around McKinley singing the Glee, etc. Rachel, he can only return to McKinley with the most drama. He right. is so extra. Uh, Rachel, we get a close-up on Rachel's gnarly bruises. They are gross. <laughs> um, well, it's because her nose is broken. Yes. Like, well, not so, anymore. It, it's healing. That's what the bruises mean. But um, it, Yeah, it got reset or whatever. Yeah. But uh, this scene is about 10 billion hours long, and it just keeps it's going. so long. The song has it's so long about six or seven natural ending points, and then it just keeps going, which is that's how they pad it out the fifty seven minutes yeah. is through like usually the uh, like a verse gets cut right from for instance, somewhere only we know, I'm pretty sure it's not the full length, yeah, of I'm the iTunes sure version. Yeah. I think there's like a chorus cut like a chorus or verse cut um but which they do to most songs on glee because. It's not just about the music, I guess. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, to pad out the long episode, they go for the full length. They do the same thing with a song that's not even sung to later, so... Yeah, so... Let's move forward. It's yeah. an all right number. I think it, it's fine. It ends with a pan to an empty hallway, which is just a weird artistic choice. 
That doesn't make any sense. Um, there are some strange artistic choices all over this episode. <laughs> the next scene is uh, Hey Lucy. Yep. Um, Lauren reveals to Quinn that she knows about her quote unquote dark past. Yeah. We uh, like Lauren stops Quinn in the hallway by saying, Hey Lucy. And then Quinn panics and brings her into an empty classroom where they have a conversation. Yeah. Uh, we get a cutaway to Puck and Lauren like stealing permanent records yes. and looking through records. Uh, I guess because they're a crime duo now, which is cute. Puck looks at his own record and it's like stacks and stacks of computer paper. It's huge. Yes. The In RL time, back in uh, the actual story, we get some horrible Dutch angles, <laughs> yes. angles which okay. if you're not familiar with film terminology, that's when the screen is slightly tilted yeah. and like all the characters are at an angle. Is it is it supposed to be replicating a like nightmare situation? Yeah. I mean, it's to definitely heighten the tension, which it sort of does, but I don't know. I feel like overusing of Dutch angles is... a tr- It's a crime. It's another crime. It's a crime. Yeah. It's a bad crime that Glee has done. Guilty. Guilty. <laughs> um, um, but we find out Quinn, that... Yeah. So we, yeah, we find out that Quinn was really heavily bullied in middle school. Yeah. Uh, that her past, it, like the past that she tells... Everyone at McKinley is actually a lie. She went to a different middle school than the one that she claimed. Yep. Uh, in a different town, whatever. By a different um, name, because she her actual name is Lucy. Her middle Lucy. name is Quinn. Um, she used to be, quote, Lucy Kabusi, is what the kids would call her. She was chubby with what? zits and a big nose. Yeah. Before we find out that Lucy Kabusi was the nickname, Lauren says, "Oh, was your mean nickname?" Yeah. Let's juicy Lucy. Let's talk which we about should, that. Let's make a point yeah. that she doesn't get it right. No, she <laughs> right. Yeah, Zeisy's either okay. Well, yeah, we're gonna come back to it. So uh, Quinn tells us about how <laughs> we we see a picture. It's a yes. redheaded, glasses wearing, braces. Like the stereotypical middle schooler picture of someone that's having a rough adolescence, really. Um, Listen, no one looks good in middle school. No. Seriously. Yeah. And uh, we find out that Quinn transformed when she went to high school. She, like, started doing ballet. Yeah. Found out that she was athletic, started doing gymnastics. Yep. uh, Dyed her hair, got a nose job. Got some proactive. Yeah. Yeah. The one note I want to say, she talks about how she had to dissect her own frog in middle school because no because one, be no her one lab wanted to part- be her lab partner. Do you think she was a bitch back then too? Because I Maybe. think it might have some. Per- I think it might have had something to do with her personality. Maybe she was just a complete <laughs> dick. <laughs> like I, I, I don't get me wrong. Bullying happens. Kids are cruel, but like there are other people yeah. that are also. She also in the same boat. So why doesn't look that bad in this picture right. either? Yeah, like she still looks like like Diana Aragon is still under there, right? You know? Yes. Um, I I just feel like Quinn must have been stuck up or something because yeah. well she is rich. So that's true. Because even if and like even if you are quote unquote ugly, like if you don't fit the stereotypical popular model, there are other people at school that look you the same as friends. you. That yeah. will be your friends. It's not you, you. If you're pushing them away because you don't want to be their friend, then that's a problem with you. It turns out. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we digress. So Quinn is panicking that her 
past that Lauren knows her past. Yes. And um, she's like, what are you going to do? Like tell everyone in school and make me not win prom queen. And Lauren is just like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Lauren, Lauren is a little oblique about it. She also looks in retrospect, when you know what's happening in the scene and you know what's about to happen, Lauren does look a little remorseful for what she's done. Yes. No, it, uh, she definitely is reconsidering what she has just done. Which Because Quinn yeah. runs out to the hallway and sees that she has a new campaign poster made by Zeises herself. It's that ugly picture, quote-unquote ugly picture, of yeah. Lucy Cabusi, and says, vote Lucy Cabusi. This is where we need to make the point that Lauren maybe didn't know the nickname. And if she does, she, she obviously she, does because it's on the fucking poster. Was it in her goddamn like school report? She was what? definitely pretending not to know the nickname. It was definitely a mind trip power game where she forced <laughs> Quinn to say it herself. Like that's a real uh, thing. I... Cause, Cause Lauren is like, did they have, uh, do they have a mean nickname? Do they call you Juicy Lucy? And no, she makes Quinn say, they called me Lucy Caboosey, which... It's just, I mean, this scene's so fucked up, too. Because <laughs> I I get, like wanting, like, wanting to win and, like, wanting to take down your competitors to win. Like, I get that as a storyline. Yeah. But I don't really see... Lauren using somebody else's physical appearance to do that. Yeah. To do that. Well, she does. So she does clarify. We, we kind of glossed over it in the last time they talked about this, but Lauren and Quinn both have different ideas of what prom queen should represent. Lauren says that she wants to be prom queen and represent what people actually look like at the school. And Quinn Mm -hmm. says that she wants to be prom queen because she wants to be what everyone wants to be at the school and so lauren i think is approaching this as more of a quinn is lying about the fact that she's not like everyone else um yeah she was one of us yeah it's sort of it really bums me out that the main interactions we've had between two women except for britanna have been about looks yeah like no that's especially this this episode right yeah quinn and rachel yep and then lauren and quinn no, it's yeah. it's yeah, it's not great. Um but let's move to something that's a little bit better. Yeah. Uh it's the Barbaravention. We're yes. at the local mall in Lima and Puck and Rachel. This is like when they're meeting up to talk about Jewish heritage, I guess. Um <laughs> yep. but Puck it hands over his position to Kurt. Yes. This is where they could have just moved that scene from the bathroom to like the mall bathroom. Right. You know? Yeah. Uh <laughs> and uh, Kurt is, is just like, I don't know, nice to her. Yeah. He, he reaffirms <laughs> Rachel's ego a little bit. He says, you're a star. You're one in a billion. Um, he yeah. calls it a Barbara Vention himself because if you don't know, Barbara Streisand has a prominent nose. Yes. So, and, and that is one of Rachel's idols, obviously. Yes. One of all of our idols, you know. Yeah. And uh, the best part of this scene is the very beginning where Kurt says the name and then Rachel's like, is she here? Yes. <laughs> well, Kurt, Chris Colfer's <laughs> delivery of the line after that, no, this is a mall in Ohio, is so good. <laughs> it's very That's good. like a little glimpse of Kurt and Rachel's friendship that I just... Yes. I, I love that. Yeah. 
We'll get more of it eventually. Then they do a flash mob to a song that was everywhere in 2011. Yep. Barbra Streisand by Duck Sauce? Duck Soup. Duck Soup. Yeah. It's, yeah. So what, one of the notes that I had is they seem to know a lot of random diverse people their age. Um, yeah. Uh, because this flash mob is not just the Glee Club. The Glee Club is there, but yeah. there are other people. Uh, and we should note, this is not a dream sequence. No. Unlike the last flash mob in the Lima Mall. <laughs> yeah, this one is for real. We don't get the terrible camera phone camera thing this time which well, is nice that was, that was a joss whedon original sam oh god um but yeah so <laughs> we get it the the thing about this is it's a barbavention but this song is not by barbara streisand it's not, yeah it's not by it barbara streisand they just say her name literally it has literally nothing to do with barbara streisand really besides <laughs> saying her name because it's a techno song it's like a yeah. dance mix so they all dance around rachel yeah. uh it's a long, long scene. Yes. The, we get a close-up on Finn, of course, because he we get yep, that in every scene. Of course. But the one thing I want to say is Brittany is right next to him. Brittany's outfit in this episode or in this scene is dope as hell. She has frizzy hair. She's wearing a green beanie. I wish we had got a close-up on Brittany instead of Finn. Well, Brittany looks great in every scene. Yes. Because yeah. they, no, they I know. just style Brittany so well. Yes really yeah she wears like these like high-waisted wide-legged white pants later that are also great <laughs> um okay yeah let's stop talking about fashion then the next scene is gnarly also yes uh well emma yeah well okay so emma has her first therapy appointment yes we flashed the end of it where emma is dutifully cleaning the chair yeah and goes to sit down and the therapist is like well our therapy hour is over because you spent it cleaning the chair. Yeah. And tells her that she surely has a case of severe OCD. Yep. Which I guess she is a therapist, so she has the grounds to like make a diagnosis after watching somebody obsessively clean something for an hour. Yep. Uh even though I, I feel like you like I, I it is obsessive and it is like m- not the health healthiest thing to do. Right. But I, I I feel like that's not enough grounds for I think a, a diagnosis. Yeah, I think um, part of this. I, I'm just gonna say right now. I actually really like this scene. I think this scene is well. The it's Glee only... trying to clean up its mess. Exactly. I know, but at the same time, I so he, the thing is, I think this is the best we're gonna get with Glee when it comes to this type of thing. Glee Sad. is trying to, as we're saying, clean up its mess. It's trying to address the stigma against mental health yes. and it's trying to include some kind of actual therapist because will is not and sue is not um yeah and i think which is which yeah. is a good move yes a good choice for the story and like for saying good things on tv yes right uh this therapist uh explains that ocd can be Man- like can be a very manageable mental illness to have through yep. a mixture of medication and behavioral therapy. Uh, Emma is resistant to both of these by saying that she doesn't want to pop pills to be the way that somebody else wants her to be, and she doesn't want to spill all of her secrets to some stranger. Right. I think both of these are valid things to say, um, but the therapist also says something that is really the nugget 
Yeah. And the important thing to take away, which is, quote, your mental illness is not who you are supposed to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's really, I really like the therapist. Um, I made a note that Emma regurgitates middle America's bullshit, which is what I'm calling yeah. the popping pills and telling all your stra- secrets to a stranger. Line. I mean, I can, I can understand being resistant to relying on big pharma for oh, your mental health. No, I, I, and that's the thing is though, is I don't think that's what those people are saying. I no. think those <laughs> people have a negative impression of therapy based on terrible, incorrect, media likely that is telling them what it's supposed to be like in this case this is actually a a representation of therapy that i think is closer to reality than a lot of no i i agree because like the therapist to gain uh emma's trust shares with her yeah uh, about her own struggles with mental health and like postpartum depression that she went through and realizing that she needed to accept help herself yes um um and yeah. yeah she she makes the comparison about um if you it, as a guidance counselor if there was a kid with diabetes you wouldn't refuse them their medication because that's not listen what you you're do. supposed to have you're supposed to have diabetes <laughs> this is the way you're supposed to be <laughs> which i i think that's a really good clear example to like help totally. make this argument so i i like this scene i know i it's... like it, i like it too to a certain degree yeah uh it's i feel like it's it loses some of its shine and some of like the good message it's purporting with its context yeah because the episode itself is has so said bad. some gnarly things yeah no i agree um let's move the on therapist to the next prescribes oh. an ssri oh yeah, yeah. yep that I the guess next that scene is, is the next scene is Fwin. Uh, talking about the Lucy Kabusi of it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Quinn is feeling bad about how everyone knows about her past, and Finn pr- shows her that he's carrying around a picture of Lucy in his wallet. Yeah, because he accepts Quinn no matter what she looks like, because he's such a good guy. I-, I wrote down that killing a straw man was never easier. Um, because Quinn was one of the proponents of if you don't like something about yourself change it and I think the moral of this scene is that Finn accepts her as who she is but the ugly old way rather than her new pretty way Um, but like it's Quinn's body she can do whatever she wants exactly like that's I, 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 I just hate this because I agree with Santana and I think Quinn like Quinn didn't like the way she looked, so she changed it. And it's yes. not a crime. She can do no, whatever she wants. Like It's really fucking not. I have a note here um, in all caps. Let's talk about body autonomy. <laughs> because I wanted to make sure that we covered it. Yes. We already got to it, obviously. I didn't need to write this note because you're on top of it. I, I, should, I shouldn't expect you to not well, uh, bring I think, that kind of stuff up. Yeah. But, I mean, this is... So Glee is directed towards teenagers, right? Right. Can we agree that that is yes. sort of their main audience, is either teenagers or young people? Yes. So they really should not... They This is a, such a bad idea to purport, yes. in my opinion. No, I... What about you? I agree. I think, I think this scene is so... Like, ex- showcases so well the fact that this is about body autonomy, an issue of not letting women have body autonomy because it's Finn, her boyfriend, who is a white straight man who is thriving with his privilege where he can't dance. Baby, I love you without makeup. You look so good. Exactly. It's just, it's, it's offensive. 
we've transitioned the scene later down in the hallway the triplets are there again in their new outfit uh and they tell quinn they're going to vote for her because she's just like them um yeah which is i i like that that's yeah cute uh you know yeah which then zeises comes up apologizes for what she did which i think is important to note because i don't think glee does a very good job of having people apologize for doing shitty things even having people admit that they've done something wrong <laughs> exactly um, uh lauren yeah. is like yeah i got what was coming to me because yeah. you're 40 percent up in the polls yes and quinn uh tells lauren that she respects her because she's able to own the way she looks yeah um and then yeah it, it's cute i like the way this ends at least again they're still I do talking too. About it's their, nice to have yeah. a positive interaction between two women on this show they're still talking about their appearance though which is a little they are <laughs> problematic but like i think it's I, I like it's much more positive feels a lot better um yeah next we go to britanna talking of two women interacting um Brittany. And we're going to finally get to the Gaga of it all. It only took the longest amount of time ever. Oh, my God. So they were talking about the shirts that we were promised over an hour ago in this show. Um, The shirts that they're going to wear for the Born This Way number. Yeah. Brittany is already wearing hers. It says, I'm with stupid with an arrow pointing up. Stupid is spelled S-T-O-O-P-I-D. Sure. Yeah. It's... It's cute. Um, she it also, uh, Santana shows her the shirt that she's wearing, which says bitch yes. across it. I mentioned it earlier. Yeah. It is in- infamous. Yes. Um, Santana does give us the little nugget that, according to the legend, when she came out of her mother, she told the nurse she was <laughs> fat, which is, <laughs> I think, is a good joke. I love, Sant- um, I love Santana. Me too. Um, Brittany is disappointed that Santana isn't using this as an opportunity to embrace her um, lesbianism and come yeah. out. Uh, but Santana's like, well, I'm not really comfortable with doing that. I don't plan to do it. Um, and Brittany shows her a shirt that she made yes. that says Lebanese. Which Santana's immediate response to is, I'm Hispanic. I'm Hispanic. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, so we've... We, we, what's interesting, I thought, in this scene, we get some confirmation that Brittany is, quote, bi-curious. So yes. um, she's not, she doesn't seem to identify as lesbian, which is fine. It's cool. It's interesting. Um, but, well, uh, she doesn't define as, she doesn't identify as human. Human, right. You know? um, but uh, Santana is mostly hurt because she feels that she told Brittany that she loves her and that Brittany did not reciprocate that same feeling back. Um, and Brittany's yeah. like, well, no, I love you because I accept all all of you. Yeah. And it makes me sad that you don't love yourself right. enough to accept yourself. Um, Santana is like, well, I'm dating Karofsky now. I'm straight. And yeah, get off Brittany, my case. Responds, yeah. Brittany responds with how we're all feeling. Two words. It's gross. <laughs> <laughs> that yes. is like verbatim in the show, which is amazing. <laughs> Yes. Um, I love it. It's so good. Yes. Uh, so Brittany, Alien of the people. Yeah. Brittany gets mad at her because Santana is upset about the love stuff. Brittany kind of throws the shirt at her and stomps off saying, if you really love me, you would dance with me um, yes. and wear the shirt that I made you. But let's move to the next scene. It's a real quick one. Emma takes her pills. That's yes. it. Emma takes a pill. And then we go to uh, the pre-born this way bit right we're on the auditorium stage and will will reveals his shirt his 
butt chin shirt, which just proves Sam's point more. <laughs> yeah, it's that. Will uh-huh. is so fucking privileged in every way. Um, Tina, I hate Will. Tina points out that she thinks it should have been, quote, tears up a lot, which <laughs> I think so too. Is a good joke. Um, but uh, then Rachel arrives. She you announces- want to know what Will should have been? What? Sham of a life. <laughs> Future alcoholic. Um, <laughs> Ra- Rachel ar- arrives and announces that she has canceled her appointment to get a nose job. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we just talk about how Santana is not there because she is, as Sam puts it, likely somewhere making out with Karofsky, which I think is the yeah. notification that their relationship They're is not now dating over. anymore, yeah. I guess. Uh, they were only dating so that Santana could sing Trouty Mouth. Exactly. Let's be real. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we also see Rachel's Born This Way shirt. It says nose. Yeah, which, I mean, it's fitting in the episode, but... Okay. She also won't be doing the number because she can't dance. Well, with her yeah, she she injured nose. it's not that she can't dance. She can dance. The person who can't dance is the one that hor- horribly injured her. But um, well. <laughs> she, she she just isn't supposed to dance while she is recovering. Um, they so sing. we get the, yeah. the big number. Yeah, it's born this way, uh, which is a Lady Gaga song. If you didn't know that, you should <laughs> though because this is Glee. Um, and you're listening to Sam and Maggie hate Glee. So. Yes. Um, the nice thing I, I wrote about this number, Kurt, Tina, and Mercedes all lead on this number, which is yeah. really nice. I really like the vocals on this number, yeah. honestly. Uh, Kurt does most of the spoken word parts, including the beginning. Yes. Uh, and the Mercedes and Tina in choreography open his jacket for him because everyone's wearing like these white t-shirts that they've printed on right. with jackets or cardigans or something on top. So they can reveal. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And they reveal Kurt's for him and it says likes boys on it. Right. Uh, Mercedes is wearing a shirt that says no weave with an exclamation point. She also has uh more natural looking hair. Yes. In this scene, uh, I don't know if I. I don't know it. Okay, yeah. Do we, I don't know. Do we want to run through these? Because Plus, as as we've talked about this episode, I have a really bad feeling because I have a feeling that every one of the female T-shirts, besides maybe Britney's, will be about their bodies. So you're you're not completely right. Let oh, me go God. through them. Ready? Okay. Mercedes, no weave. Tina, brown eyes. Mike. Can't sing. Sam, Trouty Mouth. Finn, Can't Dance. Quinn, Lucy Kabusi, which is so vague. Like, good job, <laughs> Quinn. You really avoided most of this assignment. Artie, Four Eyes. Lauren, Bad Attitude, which is the one sure. that uh, yeah. is out of the mold. Still sexist. Puck, <laughs> yeah. Puck, I'm with Stupid, with an arrow pointing down, down. towards yep. his dick. And Emma, OCD. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it just let's... it just goes back to show, like, going back to the point that at, if you are a man, and mm-hmm. also if you are white, your worst your worst things are what can't dance, yeah, four eyes, and, uh, like, yeah, ugh. I I feel like it's also like kind of a cruel thing to do to teenagers, yeah. To, I, some of them have got to be pulling an Emma, right? Right. No, like, definitely. Well, that's that's part of it too, <laughs> is that 
they I think someone had this grand idea where they're they're like, oh, we're gonna make them celebrate their differences. Will and had this grand idea. I meant Will on, did. I meant on the writing staff, Maggie. Um, oh, okay. But the problem, Brad Palchuk, Ryan the Murphy, problem one of is them. that we don't have any base. Like they can't cover all of these people because they were too busy berating Emma for being mentally ill <laughs> yeah. and berating Quinn for having a sordid past. Um, but. We don't have any... And, ber- and berating Rachel for not feeling confident about the way she looks. Yeah. So we don't have any basis for, say, Mercedes shirt. No weave. When have we ever talked about Mercedes hair? When- yeah. Never. Ever. Ever. I feel like that'd be an interesting plot line to take, right? Yeah. There aren't very many, um, like, black girls at this school that we know of... Right. ...who rock natural hair. We definitely haven't seen any extras with, like obvious natural hair right. i feel and we've been watching the show pretty closely i think yeah. i would have noticed yeah uh and i feel like that'd be a really interesting plot line to take a story that's not normally told is yes. like mercedes wearing a weave to fit in with these white kids at school well and, and not feeling confident without it on top of that even it's personally i don't really know much about like the black culture of weaves and natural hair versus weaves sure. and stuff that would have been so much more interesting to me as a viewer than the like stereotypical white girl who was like all of the stereotypes of yeah. middle school and then the Jewish thing. If they had done that plot line, it would have been horribly racist. So I am actually kind of glad they didn't. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. you know, instead to say about stuff that doesn't <laughs> actually happen on the show. Instead, we got <laughs> Tina's plot line, which is still horribly racist. Um, so was this just do you think this is just a bad idea yes whole cloth, whole cloth. i think so. throw it out <laughs> throw it all the way out um yeah so the other note i had the production on this is fine it's not as uh it's not as extravagant as their last lady gaga number obviously but like i think the choreography is better i i think so too i think um it's nice that they have the full like the full group singing that's always a plus um it is. It's a good song. They perform it well. Um, I agree. Yeah, Emma has the OCD shirts, um, and then she reveals it to Will. Yes. in like a she unbuttons her cardigan very slowly in a very then, sensual way, um, and <laughs> yes, then holds it open for him. OCD written across her chest, and Will is so proud of himself because he's a fucking Ugh. lunatic. Um, and Gross. then we the the final scene the final image of the scene we see in the audience santana is wearing her lebanese shirt um sitting next to fucking dave Karofsky, and they're watching in the audience um Ugh. that doesn't make any sense but like the santana wearing a lebanese shirt is cute at least um yeah i would wear a shirt that said lebanese except i am definitely white, i was gonna so say i don't think off I really don't badly think you can do that um <laughs> i could just be like it's a joke from glee get it <laughs> And everyone be like, well, it's 2018. To be Who fair, Maggie, that's what Glee does. Do you want to be like Glee? Where they no. make a joke about Jewish people. And they're like, it's a joke. It's not serious. It's like, you're still being really offensive. Um, you're right. So, yeah, that's it. That's this episode. We, we oh my did God. it, I guess. I am exhausted. Let, so... We we when we started recording, the sun was out. It is set. It is like <laughs> night now. I am so like I was emotionally exhausted when I finished the episode, and now I am physically exhausted. This is terrible. Well, hold on for just a couple more minutes because we need to do the podcast business. <laughs> <laughs> 
but it's a metaphor. And metaphors are important. Gold stars are important because gold stars, stars are, are a metaphor for me being a star. You know, the Rachel me hybrid would never consider changing your nose. That's true. It also has like three, so it's a little weird, <laughs> yeah. but um, I mean, it wouldn't need to. It can just no. turn its face. Okay. Um, Listen, I I love the Rachel Me hybrid no matter what it looks like. I know. And I think I I'm be- I am the best person because of that. I, I support the Rachel Maggie hybrid in any decision it chooses to make with its body. A whole cloth. I don't care. It's it's its own Me body. Too. So um, let's let's talk about gold stars, Maggie. You're going to go first this week. Who do you want to give a gold star to? Okay. Oh, God. I think I am going to give my gold star to Kurt Hummel this episode. Cool. Yeah. Um, He does the least bad stuff, I think. <laughs> That's fair. Um, <laughs> and he and he tells Karofsky that he's he doesn't support outing, which yes. is one of the best sentiments from the episode. <laughs> That's very true. He also has a five minute long number that I totally just did household chores during because i couldn't i yeah, couldn't watch I zoomed it zoomed out during it too but it is it's a the vocals are good oh i guess that was i i came back for like the last minute of it and he chris colfer has a real a real set oh, of pipes on him he is a yeah, very good his, singer his range is beautiful and yeah. it's like so clear that uh he wasn't being utilized in the warblers obviously <laughs> and he hasn't yep. been really utilized by new directions either no uh, so hopefully, now that they have him back, so, I yeah. should do that. Um, my gold star, I'm giving it to Emma's therapist because wow. I... She doesn't even have a name. <laughs> no, because... <laughs> but you know what? I was so upset by the Emma plotline that this clo- this thing that was pretty much almost a legitimate therapy session, I just I clung onto it because I needed... It was the only thing in this episode that made me not hate everything about glee yeah a respite from the horribleness yes uh i think a a honorable mention for gold stars this week is santana yes but she does blackmail someone into doing what she wants well here's the thing is a he is a bad person can you (laughs) does it does it not righteously blackmail a bad person i think so um my uh, the thing also is that she is doing all of this to become prom queen, which is yes. the most shallow reason to do but anything. But the reasoning for her to become prom queen <laughs> is to make Britney love her, which is dubious. Like, it's, a, it's a queer goal, so I can approve of that. Kind of though, it's also a little coercive because she was she does have oh, the thing sure. about how Britney wouldn't be able to refuse a royal decree. <laughs> Yeah, um, definitely coercive because this alien wouldn't understand what a prom queen is as opposed to like a normal queen, right. maybe. Yeah, Wikipedia only has one entry for queen. They all direct to <laughs> the same place. Um, let's talk about the best number of the episode. What did you think okay. it was? So our numbers, uh, to run through them all, even though, like this is a long episode, but they don't have more numbers, no. which is frustrating. It's unpretty slash I feel pretty, that mashup. Yep. Uh, I Gotta Be Me. Yep. By Finn and Mike. Uh, Somewhere Only We Know by the Warblers. Yep. 
Barbara Streisand. Yep. Can you? Count as if that? I never. As if we as never if, said goodbye. As if we never said goodbye by Kurt, and then Born This Way. Well, the big group number at the end. There's also Barbara Streisand, the Flash Mob. I, yeah, I mentioned that. I but they don't sing. That's true. So, well, I mean, they move their mouths to when it says Barbara <laughs> Streisand. Does that count? But, <laughs> well, they're always moving their mouths to a pre-recorded track, so do True. any songs count? No. I My two top ones, the, the two ones that I... Well, I like the pretty mashup, sure. really. Yeah. Uh, but it's overshadowed. It's at the beginning of the episode, and they don't really like like nail down those feelings that yeah. either of these people feel. Like, we don't know... I guess there is more weight to the song Once, if you look at it retrospectively, considering yeah. Quinn's Lucy, like Kabusi. transition from Lucy yeah. to Quinn. I I feel like un, like the pretty mashup should have been after that later, yeah. like later in the episode, but it's not. Sure, uh, I gotta be me is passable, like sure. we said. Somewhere only we know is pretty good. I like Darren Chris's cover of it. Um, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. But it's fine. As if we never said goodbye, like we talked about, it, the vocals are good, but it is long. Yes. And, and it never <laughs> stops. A of, like, there's a lot of strange artistic choices where Kurt's just sort of wandering around McKinley. Yes. And Barbara Streisand is also very long. Uh, yes. And then there's Born This Way. I think I'm going to have to choose... Um, well, I'm going to split my best number okay. for Somewhere Only We Know because it's gay as hell and Born This Way. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I also picked Born This Way. I was... I originally was going to pick Somewhere Only We Know, but on my rewatch... Um, when I saw in Born This Way that Kurt, uh, Tina, and Mercedes have the lead and that yeah. neither Rachel nor Finn ever gets any <laughs> of the vocals in that song, that I, I was like, this is actually a really good number. Um, right. So I picked Born This Way. Um, let's move to our last thing in podcast business. What What are you going to rate God. this episode? Out of five slushies, out of, are, are you going to give, are you going to give it five? Is it going to be five? I think it's going to be 4.5. Sure. I'm going to give it a 4.5 because uh, Kurt coming back to McKinley, like the, those little moments are pretty good. Yeah. I think um, even with our uh, metafiction layer of Blaine being evil, like it's still like sweet gay interaction. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> between two characters. And, uh, yeah, that's where I'm at. 4.5. I, I actually also gave it a 4.5. Um, I didn't feel right giving it a full five with the therapy scene and also the Kurtz talking to Karofsky scene. The gay Um, shit. Yeah. Because honestly, at the end of the day, like I was saying, there's a terrible reputation of therapy in media because Sigmund Freud bullshits all the time. And I think that this therapy scene, especially in comparison to the fact that the only thing we really had before was Will trying to, like, do the terrible midday talk show version of therapy where you yeah. force people to confront their fears and shit is just Fucking gnarly. doctor filling it. Yeah. Like, Morrying. He, yeah. he really did that. You know, it's, Emma has a legitimate, like, fear and problem with unwashed fruit. And then he 
puts it on her. Like, yeah. he puts it in her space. Yeah. Ugh, God. Yeah, it's... So, but the, the fact that they had something that actually resembled therapy, at least a little bit, um, and kind of addressed the stigma of mental health. I don't think it's enough. I don't know. I don't know if Glee should honestly be even tackling this. And I don't think so. I don't really think they have the dramatic chops right. to manage it. But I, I'm. I appreciate the fact that they tried. I think that it's nice to see representation of at least one, uh, at least a little bit of movement in a character to try to destigmatize if not mental illness in general, their own mental illness. Um, yeah. So I, I couldn't justifiably give it five full slushies. I'm giving it 4.5. We'll see what happens. I think next this week, episode though. is just a clear, like clear evidence that Glee has should n- not be, should not one should not be long. No, <laughs> should be as short as possible. Yes. <laughs> and that they really need to stay in their own fucking lane. Well, you know, yeah, I think I think part of it is that they it's not that they need to stay in their own lane. It's that they need to not try to address all of society's ills all at of once. You yeah. need to you need that to is, hone in. That is so the problem. And it's it's the joke like everyone makes jokes about Glee, right? Yeah. Jokes about Glee have been happening since Glee started. And part of it is like making fun of the fact that it's sort of a math textbook full of like this right. diverse cast where they're trying to address every societal problem right no <laughs> like that's it's, yeah it's too much it's too much yeah no i agree it's like honestly that's the thing is if you want the, because the I, I think the big problem like and we've been talking about it all episode the big problem with that is that you don't do any any of your subjects justice they almost do justice to white gay men almost but like <laughs> almost oh they they still don't get that one right they can't even do that one but then what what makes it glaringly <laughs> obvious is that they are really bad at dealing with things like mental health at dealing with things like jewish heritage at dealing with things like race and like ethnicity just at not being misogynist exactly <laughs> oh, it's just- it's just so offensive. <laughs> all of it is just so offensive. So, it's all so bad. It's all so <sighs> bad. And we have to watch like four more seasons of it. <laughs> oh, we'll see. Huck. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> on that really high note, um, let's talk about how you can interact with us outside of the podcast. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. If you go uh, look for S&M Hate Glee, that's our Twitter handle, and also Facebook.com slash that, Facebook.com slash S&M Hate Glee, we'll get you to our Facebook page. But should we be using Facebook? Who knows? Uh, I mean, check all yeah. the Zuckerberg memes. I'm ugh, the- Robot. <laughs> <laughs> the um uh the email where you can reach us is snmhateglee at gmail.com yep and uh i just wanted to give a shout out to uh one of our patrons joe uh so we record a little bit in advance but uh, uh as a couple episodes ago we suggested that if you listen you can tweet at us your gold stars best numbers ratings of episodes um if you want to share those with us and uh, a couple weeks ago for episode 16, you'll remember that was the regionals episode, uh, Joe's gold star goes to Pavarotti. <laughs> the dead bird. The dead bird, um, which is <laughs> the, amazing. The bird doesn't even make much of an appearance in that episode. <laughs> no. All it does is there's like a single 
tweet and then a thud <laughs> as it dies. Yes. Um, I guess it is like metaphorically in that bejeweled casket the whole time. I don't know. Well, not uh, metaphorically. It's physically in that bejeweled casket. But yes. Um, well, we don't. There's. Okay. Let's be real. They did not make Chris Culver hold a shoebox with a dead bird in it. <laughs> anyway. Um, We'll, we'll be, oh, you can also uh, support us like Joe does at, at Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash SNM Hakely, uh, you can right. throw some money at us. Um, by this time, we should have actually some bonus content up. Uh, yes, we are making a sister to this podcast called Sam and Maggie Like Stuff because our whole lives aren't just pushing negativity and consuming stuff that we don't like. I I would say that's a small part of it. A yeah. small part of our individual I, lives. I really hope so, because otherwise I am just a vacuous mass of hatred. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so... A black hole of hatred. Um, if you want to get access to that, um, you can actually donate at any level. There's no... Uh, you'll get it regardless of how much you donate. But uh, you'll hear us talk about the King's Killer Chronicles uh, at the suggestion of our patron Joe, um, and uh, it's it was a good time. I enjoyed it. So yeah, we tried to we we went in with the idea, much like this podcast, we went in with with the idea of being uh, brief. Uh, <laughs> As we get close to an hour and fifty minutes long, yes, um, it's it's about an <laughs> we, hour we, long. So we ended up talking for like about an hour about two books. There, it's real spoiler heavy too. So yeah, uh, be wary of that. But we will be doing other uh, Sam and Maggie like stuff. So if you aren't a King's Killer fan, we'll be doing others others too. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's about it, though. I think that's about it. Next week, we'll be back with Season 2, Episode 19, Rumors, spelled the British way because it's like the Fleetwood Mac album. Get it? Yeah, and here's the thing. I really like that album. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure what's going to happen because I don't remember what happened in this episode, and I like that album, too. I'm a big fan of that album. I have to listen to it all the time at my retail job, so... (laughs) Yeah, so we'll see. Um, But Uh, in the meantime, I've been Sam. And I've been Maggie, and we hate Glee. (laughs) From the top.